Hello, everybody. Uh, this is Charles from the Barbershop Group. I hope everybody's having a great Sunday evening as you uh, prepare to wind down the weekend and get ready for uh, the beginning of the week. You know, guys, we always talk about being able to uh, speak to every group of men. And it's also important that uh, you guys know that we have a lot of women who are paying attention to the Barbershop Group as well. And Riley and I will have a show coming up talking about some of those things uh, pretty soon. But it's just really important for you guys to understand that a lot of individuals are concerned about the health and wellness of men. And because we try to reach as many people as possible, we try to uh, get everybody involved. And tonight I have a very special guest coming to us out of Long Island. Her name is Sadia Yunus. Sadia Yunus is a marriage and family therapist uh, residing in Long Island, New York. And uh, she's been doing therapy for a while out there, guys, and she's extremely busy. Uh, she's a graduate of the Institute of Islamic Sciences, mental health columnist, and the co-founder of Muslimas of Long Island. And anybody wants to check that out, they can check that out online. They've got a Facebook group there uh, for women, and uh, you'll be able to, to, to see that. But she doesn't just talk to women. She also talks to men. And it's extremely important that we begin to have a conversation uh, that targets a particular group of men in America who have kind of gone under the radar when it comes to mental health and wellness topics. So without further ado, Sadi, are you there? Yes, I'm here. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for hey. having me. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for, for coming on. I know that you're extremely busy and uh, we'll try to get through this as quickly as possible, but we want to provide the audience with some information. Uh, you know, we're talking about Muslims, but we're also talking to non-Muslims as well, because I think that some of the issues that we're going to discuss uh, are cross-cultural and across religious divides or, or orientations. I think that a lot of times uh, there are some things that people are experiencing and they just feel a lot of shame about those things or they're adhering to uh, some traditionalist thought that may not be uh, healthy for them in their own lives. So we'll jump into some of those things and maybe you guys out there listening, you'll be able to connect with these things. So one of the things that I wanted to share with you, Sadia, is that, you know, when I was going around to the Muslim community talking uh, to people about mental health, uh, I always started the conversation with a narration or a hadith from a guy named Hanzala. And for you guys who are not Muslim out there, the name really isn't all that important. Just know that he was a close friend of someone else who was a friend of the Prophet Muhammad, okay? And um, what was interesting about this was one day, uh, this guy just happened to be walking along the road and one of Prophet Muhammad's friends saw him and said, hey, uh, wait a minute, what's wrong with your face? Why does your face look like this? He, his body language was bad, his face was contorted and he stopped him in his tracks and he said, well, um, you know, I'm just not doing so well. He said, what do you mean you're not doing so well? He said, I'm a hypocrite. And when he first heard him say he was a hypocrite, he was like, wait a minute, hold up, what? What are you talking about? And the man began to explain how he felt he was a hypocrite. And so Prophet Muhammad's friend was like, okay, you know what? Now that I've heard you explain yourself, uh, I think I'm a hypocrite too. And he suggested, maybe we should go talk to the Prophet about this. And so they both headed out to find the Prophet and talk to them talk to him about this. Well, when the prophet saw both of the men approaching and saw their facial expressions and their body language, he became concerned. 
And he was like, hey, man, what's up? What's going on with you guys? And the close friend of the prophet wouldn't say a word, even though he was his close friend. He waited for the other guy to speak. And the other guy said, you know what? I'm a hypocrite. And so then the prophet's friend also spoke up and said, I'm also a hypocrite. And they were reluctant to mention this to him. But what was interesting about this was that he did not chide them. He didn't berate them. He returned their message about being a hypocrite uh, with a message of love and compassion. And I love to tell that story. There are so many different points that I could touch on uh, about that particular story, but we won't right now. But I think that one of the things that was really, really neat, and I always highlight it, was that these were, here's a man who was asked how he was doing, and he didn't lie. He told the truth. He wasn't scared. He told the truth. He spoke up. And the other guy who asked him really meant, how are you doing? He was sincere about it. And I know that a lot of times today we run into people and we're just hoping that they won't really open up to us or we're hoping that somebody won't force us to open up to them. And these men were very different than what we see a lot of men doing today. So I like to tell that story to kind of set the tone for individuals to let them know that we're getting ready to have a very, very serious conversation, uh, a conversation that a lot of people probably need to have. And it's something that's been a concern of Muslims for a long time, but now with millennials, it's even more pronounced. So Sadia, I wanted to ask you, after hearing that, after hearing that, that story, uh, that story has some, some implications for people and their mental health, right? Yes. Um, do you find that there are people in the community that are still having trouble with being as authentic as Hanzala was being? Yes, definitely. I think it's, it's a huge issue, right? That pe- just like you said, people are afraid of that vulnerability, right? That even when we hear about these beautiful stories and we kind of look back and we think, you know, wow, these people were open with each other and they didn't have that fear of being open and what the other person would think. So now it's, it's the opposite where there's, you know, we're just closed off. We're afraid to open up to each other. And I think a lot of it has to do with what response you're going to get on the other end. You know, when you told about the prophet and how he didn't make them feel bad, you know, he didn't, uh, you know, talk about, you know, make them feel shameful. Now there's a lot of that, right? So as a culture, as a community, it's a conversation we need to have. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I wanted to to talk to you about this or ask you this. Uh, As a Muslim therapist, uh, it's, it's 2018, and I can tell you, Years ago, when I was traveling around to different mosques, uh, trying to have the conversation about mental health, have the conversation uh, about uh, youth and Internet use and pornography and all of this stuff, a lot of people were very uh, opposed to having those conversations. You know, if you talked about mental health, they were like, wait a minute, that's not what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you and other Muslim therapists been received by Muslims at this point? I know you're doing a lot of work in New York, but what's been the reception that you're seeing out there? Uh, I definitely relate to what you're saying, right? Because I go in, I try to reach out to mosques. I try to reach out to these, you know, Islamic conventions and say, okay, we need to have this conversation. You know, we need to talk about domestic violence. We need to talk about suicidal thoughts and suicide in the community, 
drugs, alcohol, all of these things that's occurring everywhere. And, uh, you know, the other side is, you know, no, this is not what we're dealing with, or it doesn't happen in our community. Or, you know, people, I would like you to have this program, but other people, you know, might not be receptive to it. So there's definitely challenges uh, within the Muslim community to really, you know, as a Muslim therapist to kind of say, you know, this is, this is a conversation we need to have. So let's bring it to the forefront and let's talk about these things. What, and when you say like the other, the other side, so, so that people can kind of understand what you mean, it, when you say the other side is opposed to it, uh, just what, what do you mean by the other side? Where are you maybe getting some of the, the, the biggest pushback? Right. So some of the organizers, right? These are the organizers that I'm speaking to, um, maybe the head of mosques, the organizers of a conference, uh, certain team members. And so they'll say that, okay, personally, right? Like I I know that we're having these issues and we need to have you to come in and talk about this. But the other side, meaning the audience, the community, uh, maybe, you know, they've had some pushback when there are certain events. And believe me, I've had certain events where I go in and we talk about domestic violence and, and we talk about these things. And when I try to go back in again, say, hey, we had a great conversation. This was a great topic that came up. Let's do it again. They'll say that, well, you know, we had some feedback. You know, people were uncomfortable about this topic. Uh, mm-hmm. We're not going to do that again. Wow. I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, and, and it's interesting because I think the uncomfortability is actually highlighting uh, other issues. If you feel com- uncomfortable talking about something, that's probably the thing that you need to be talking about, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, what, what's been your experience, um, you know, kind of dealing with mental health in, uh, in a religion that sometimes can be fragmented by gender and racial and cultural differences? How's that been? Yeah, of course, definitely a challenge. Um, there's so many different ideas when it comes to gender, uh, what women are supposed to do, what, what they shouldn't do, you know, mm-hmm. definitely race and, and the cultural differences. Yeah. There's so many different uh, cultures, you know, within the Muslim community as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so definitely facing those challenges about, you know, you're not supposed to be talking about this or you're not supposed to be on the stage. So there have definitely been challenges on, on even getting on that stage to be able to open up about these topics that really we all need to be talking about. Right. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I, I think that there are a lot of expectations that uh, Muslim women are, are facing, you know, where it's been like where you're supposed to be this way or you're supposed to be that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, there may be, as I'm, as I'm hearing, there may also be some things that, uh, that men are now starting to kind of express a little bit of uncomfortability with. And we'll talk about that uh, a little later on. You know, regarding men, however, uh, and interpretations of, you know, the Islamic traditions or, and this not just, this doesn't just pertain to Muslims, but I mean, non-Muslims as well. It's because men have traditionally been the interpreters of religion, right? But do you think men have generally done a good job addressing mental health within Muslim community life today? I think they can do better, Charles. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, I think they can do better. Uh, there are certain, you know, organizations coming up. There are, you know, some, you know, imams, religious leaders who will talk about these things. Uh, I know that I'm a part of a, a, a program committee at a mosque. And so there are a few of the men there who really, you know, uh, 
are open to talking about mental health issues, mm-hmm. but we do need to do more as a community to, especially the religious leaders, they're at the forefront. They have more of the stage to kind of reach out to the people and say, hey guys, we're having this program on this topic uh, and this is what we need to talk about. Yeah. So we so, need more of those conversations. Right. It, it sounds like from, from the religious leader standpoint, maybe they could do a little bit more to advocate uh, for openness to having the conversations or maybe setting the stage for those conversations? Yes, definitely setting the stage. Uh, mm-hmm. Letting people know that this is within the Islamic beliefs. I think some yeah. people look at it, mental health, talking about mental health, you know, for example, about depression. People think, oh, well, religious people don't get depressed or you just have to read the Quran, read religious scripture, just pray and you'll be fine. A lot of that is out there. And so we do need the religious leaders to say, you know, hey, guys, this is a part of the religion as well. You know, mental health is so important. So if they set the stage, then we have the mental health professionals of all religious backgrounds who could really come in and discuss things on a professional level. Right. Absolutely. You know, I I think about another, um, uh, I think a meme that I saw recently where they were saying you can, you can believe in God or you can believe in Jesus and and go to therapy too, or you can go to church and go to therapy too. And and all of these kinds of things. So uh, it's really a message just letting people know, Hey, look, you don't have to close the door uh, to this medical science, uh, if you will. And it's unfortunate that a lot of people don't see it as a medical science, but if you break your leg or if you have a heart attack, you're definitely going to go to a cardiologist or an orthopedic surgeon to deal with those issues, right? Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that a lot of people just have some bad information about what uh, mental health uh, therapy is about. Hey guys, Riley here. If you're enjoying today's show and would like to hear more, you can gain access to member-only content by going to patreon.com slash thebarbershopgroup. We aim to provide as much value as possible to you and the rest of our community, and our listeners play an important role. So if you want more content, or if you're just happy to support our mission and the other men out there, head over to patreon.com slash barbershop group to contribute today. Um, If you had to, because you heard me talk about millennials being a little bit different um, than some of the older people, I think, but if you had to gauge Muslims' openness to, to mental health or are young people's, you know, when, when they're talking about mental health, I think that young people express things differently today. You know, what are some changes younger people express about how to address and accommodate Muslims with mental health challenges and concerns? And, you know, I, because they don't have as much of a filter as some of the older people. Are you seeing that younger people are more open about talking about these things? Yes, yes, they are. And I actually, I really enjoy talking to them about their ideas. Uh, I actually come from a pretty large family. I have about 31 plus nieces and nephews of, of all ages and, you know, some of them being in their 20s. And so we, we always have these conversations about what yeah. do we need to do uh, about mental health and how can we be more open as a community? How can we be more accepting? And really, that's what they say. You know, there needs to be more acceptance mm-hmm. of, you know, the different kinds of people and the different ways that we see things, the different ideas that we have. We all don't fit into one bubble uh, anymore. I don't know if we did in the past, but it was a it was a viewpoint of no, everybody has to think a certain way. It's like no, you know, there's all kinds of uh, colors, shapes, and sizes, and beliefs and ideas, and 
you know, we just need to be more open and accepting mm-hmm. uh, of each other. Got you. Yeah. And I, I also uh, think that that's, that's the case. Uh, you know, in my experience, uh, I, I think that early on, there was this uh, tendency to adopt the utopian idea of religion mm-hmm. uh, and religious history. Um, and I used to say to individuals sometimes, and I would get in trouble for it, as I would say, well, I'm not so sure you're worshiping God as much as you're worshiping the history. Mm-hmm. Okay? And uh, people were like, well, wait a minute, man, what are you? You know, And I just have to let them know I'm that person that's going to speak my mind and say a lot of things that will probably upset you. But once yes. now, um, you'll realize that, wait a minute, maybe there's something I need to be looking at here. Transforming gender norms, enriching mental health, engaging in social support. These are the goals of the YB Men Project, a social media intervention created specifically for young black men. To learn more about the YB Men Project, visit us at ybmenproject.com. The YB Men Project is funded by the University of Michigan School of Social Work, the University of Michigan Depression Center, and the Steve Fund. We're talking about self-love, and that's, and that's kind of where we want to go now, um, because I think a lot of individuals have been extremely hard on themselves uh, trying to adhere to, uh, to religious beliefs, whether we're talking about Islam or Christianity, Judaism. You know, if your religious uh, belief system carries a lot of, you know, should do's and shouldn't do's and, and all of these things, mm-hmm. a lot of people have expressed to me, Saadia, that at one point they, they've just felt like failures. And when they begin to, uh, to, to fail at something, then they feel like, you know what, it's a slippery slope. I'm going down. I might as well just kick, kick the bucket and give up. Um, and that's actually, I believe now, contrary to self-love and self-compassion. Um, and unfortunately, for a while there, we were having a lot of people who were looking at Islam as a very punitive uh, type of religion, uh, a very, um, a very law filled religion and things like that. But how can Muslims reconcile injunctions of, you know, consequences of sin? How can they deal with that and, and and also address self-love and and Mm self-compassion? I think it's really necessary to look at it with a balanced lens, because when we think of religion and like you mentioned it, there's a lot of the shoulds, like you're supposed to be this way. This is how it's supposed to be. This is exactly how you're supposed to do it. And that puts a lot of pressure on the person, right? And then the person will put a lot of pressure on them about this is the way that I'm supposed to be doing it. So I think it's really about looking at it with a balanced lens. Like there is a way that it can be done. And then it doesn't, we don't, it's not really required to be you know, perfect, right? There's this idea of like, I have to do it perfect or I shouldn't do it at all. There's so many people who come into the therapy room. I can just think of the examples of people. And we have this conversation about, you know, why are you being so hard on yourself? And they go back to, well, this is the way that I'm supposed to be doing it. Mm-hmm. And so it goes back to giving yourself permission to make mistakes, to be human, to not be perfectly 100%, you know, a certain way, like religious or uh, the ideal perfect Muslim, right? So it goes back to kind of allowing yourself to make mistakes, 
and then forgiving yourself for that. And I think there's a lot yeah. of that forgiveness in religion as well that people forget. Yeah, there's a punitive side, there's a punishment side, but there's also the love and mercy, compassionate, forgiving side. Mm -hmm. I think that's more important for people to adopt, to be able to, to get through the, the tough times in life. Why do you think that, uh, why do you think that a lot of individuals might um, find themselves leaning more towards the punitive ends of things as opposed to love and forgiveness and compassion? Um, just what do you think goes into that where a person may kind of get stuck uh, in that line of thinking? I think a lot of it has to do with shame. Uh, when I when I speak with individuals and I try to figure this out because that's a great question that you ask because it's always something that I'm trying to figure out, like why are you so hard on yourself? Why do you have that where you have to punish yourself or you don't deserve love? You know, there's so much of that. And so a lot of it goes back to like early childhood memories or early experiences that are based in shame. There was somebody who made them feel less than for making yeah. a mistake. There was somebody who you know, made them feel so shameful for, for doing something wrong. And so they internalized that belief and they took it into themselves. And a lot of times it has to do with religion. It might be a religious experience. They mm -hmm. may have done something and somebody judged them or said, oh, you know, you're not a real Muslim or you're not a true believer or, right. you know, whatever it is. And so they internalize that and believe that about themselves. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, when you say you're not a real Muslim or you're not a true believer or something like that, you know, years ago, I remember someone saying um, that if you experienced depression, it was because you were just far from God, yeah. you know, yeah. and it's like, whoa, man, like, I don't know if that's exactly what you want to say to somebody who's battling depression. Okay, not that's not, all. that's not going to turn out good. Okay, I don't care how you try to rationalize it. It's not going to turn out well. Um, you know, you talked about the expectations and uh, people kind of having to be a certain way. It's funny that you mentioned the idea. Um, at one point, at one point, and I remember years ago picking these books up there back in uh, New York City on Atlantic Avenue. There used to be these books that were in all of the uh, Islamic bookstores called The Ideal Muslim, The Ideal Muslima. You had The Ideal Muslim Father. And uh, a lot of people thought these books were great. And so did I at a certain point in my life. I really did. But as it turns out, uh, those books actually did a lot to hurt because it sent the signal that, okay, wait, everything that I'm doing is wrong. Everything that that guy over there is doing is wrong. Everything that the woman down the street is doing is wrong. Nobody's doing it right. We have to do it like this. And as I began to speak up about it, I was running into a lot of people who were very discontent with that type of approach to religion and spiritual life. And uh, with regard to men, I see where this is creating a, a problem. Um, but I will ask you about it. You know, what are your thoughts about this, especially if you've got... Um, You've got a Muslim man who is very uh, controlling, very, uh, you know, um, very demanding and things like that. And he's thinking that, well, if my wife just does X, Y, Z, then everything will be fine. 
Do you ever run into situations like this? Yes, definitely. And that, uh, you know, I really related to what you said about, about the books, because so much of what we talk about and what, what books are and what speeches are, it's about like, what is that ideal? And how do you get to that ideal? Or, you know, it only makes sense for you to be at this level. And if you're any lower than that, then you're not a good person or good Muslim or believer it goes back to that. And so, yes, there's so many people, men, women, who will get to that point of, well, if I'm not perfect, then why even try, like you had <clears throat> mentioned. And also, if, if I'm not perfect, then I have to hide my imperfections, mm -hmm. right? And so there's this idea of, like, I have to be uh, strong, and I can't show my weaknesses, and I can't show... Um, you know, my imperfections. This is what it says in the book. This is what I'm supposed to be. So if I have anything that, you know, I'm falling short on, I can't allow that to show. I can't let people see that. So then yeah. that, that leads to so much, you know, internalizing negativity, um, the lack of, of being vulnerable and, and, and open. Um, and so I see a lot of challenges that people face in trying to live up to that ideal themselves. And then, yes, putting that, placing that ideal on their uh, spouses and, and family members that this is what you're supposed to be. And if you're not, then there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Versus if you're not, then you know what? You're, you're trying and you, you're human and you make mistakes. Right. So it causes a lot of, yeah, it causes a lot of issues. Yeah, absolutely. And I, that's one of the things that I definitely had to, to ask you about. And that's really why I started off the conversation talking about that, that tradition of Hanzala, uh, because Hanzala was definitely showing his humanness um, mm -hmm. at that time. And, and so was uh, his, his companion and friend, Abu Bakr. You know, these, uh, these men were, uh, we oftentimes, uh, when you look at, uh, history and things like Islamic tradition, um, we, we ha it's gotten to the point where they've been raised so high that a lot of people don't connect to the humanity uh, in the individuals. And I think that that's something that a lot of people miss. Um, these are great examples uh, that provide uh, opportunities for growth for us. So uh, those things are extremely important. So Sadia, as we wrap up, um, you know, I know, again, that you're doing a lot of work in New York. You've also had um, some conferences and some, some live events uh, with Moss down in Texas and everywhere. So a lot of people are uh, starting to kind of turn the corner, especially younger people are turning the corner. But if you were talking to Muslim men about mental health as you've been today, what are three takeaways you would like to put out there for them? I would definitely want them to... Uh, reflect on themselves. I think that's the biggest piece is the self-awareness piece. If you know about yourself, then you're able to kind of, you know, improve and work on yourself and be able to move forward. So I think uh, getting to know themselves, that's extremely important. Um, the second being allowing themselves to make mistakes and be vulnerable and, and not to be so hard on themselves. I think we talked a lot about that on how that can really, you know, bring somebody down and, and make them negative. Um, and the third would, would be to reach out, uh, not be afraid to speak to somebody, you know, going to therapy to make a change. 
to, to, to improve their lives and not be afraid of, and to kind of put away the, the stigma, you know, that, that surrounds it, whether it's, oh, it'll show my weaknesses or, you know, uh, somebody will find out about it or all of these negative thoughts that we have about it, be willing to, to open up and to reach out. Yeah, those are very good. And, and it's just it's really important for, for uh, Muslim men to be able to practice uh, self-compassion and love uh, for themselves. You know, I was speaking with a, a couple friends of mine and I said, hey, listen, unless guys really practice self-love, unless they really love themselves, unless they're practicing compassion for themselves, they're not really going to practice it with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. okay it'll 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 masquerade as something else but it won't be love and compassion and mm-hmm. so those things are very very important well guys listen you all have been listening to Saudia Yunus marriage and family therapist out of uh, Long Island New York she is a very active social media uh, personality you can check her out on Facebook on Instagram on YouTube and uh, Twitter or you can visit her website at www com, and we'll make sure that uh, we include all of her social media uh, links as well as the uh, the website in the so in the, uh, the show notes as we normally do if you are in the new york area and you're looking for a therapist there uh, she is available you know I, I think it's very important that you guys start to consider this hey look we deal with everybody you don't have to be muslim to go to a muslim therapist and just because you're a guy, you don't have to go to a guy. You can go to a woman to go to whoever is qualified and who can really, really help you unpack some things that you've got going on in your life. OK, I think a lot of times not only do we have uh, shame operating, Sadia, but we also have some of these um, some of these boundaries and things that we carry over. And we say, well, no, I can only go to this person and talk to this person about this. Or I can only go to this type of person and talk to them about that. And I think that that can be true to a certain degree. But I also think that in some cases, that's just us uh, operating in fear, using tactics and barriers uh, that keep us from getting the help that we need. So, guys, we hope that you've enjoyed what you've heard today. Um, this is extremely important for everybody who adheres to any religion within America. Your religious leaders need to be able to sit down with the people in the community and have an honest, open dialogue. And we know that it all begins and ends with the mind. So until next time, we will talk to you guys. Have a great week and we will see you soon. The Barbershop Group provides safe spaces for men to discuss issues of well-being and mental health. The Barbershop Group also serves as a resource to the community, providing consultations and public speakers through partnerships with attorneys, mental health professionals, family agencies, religious institutions, and other advocates. In the near future, the Barbershop Group seeks to renovate dilapidated residential and commercial properties in urban areas to create respite shelters for displaced men. We will also host mentorship retreats and workshops for young men and adults to foster growth through our Iron Sharpening Iron and our Rebuilding Men programs. In addition, we host a weekly podcast covering issues of mental health, homelessness, financial literacy, 
education, and leadership. If you would like to be a guest on our show, please email us at info at thebarbershopgroup.org, visit our Facebook page, or call 313-585-9948 for more information. 